Hello. Hi, it's Sophie. Oh, hey, Sophie. Hi. Hey, what's up? Yo. Yo. Um, we're here. We're here with Sophie Gilbert and and David Sims, who who write for our culture section at the Atlantic. Welcome to the podcast. I mean, the call. Hi, Jim. Hi, Catherine. I miss you guys. Hey guys. How are y'all? Are you okay? What's happening? Fine. You know, inside. Yeah, it's that weird, deep, inescapable sort of existential boredom. But then anytime you look at the news, it's like just screaming. So it's the weird whiplash between those two inputs, basically. Are you both still in New York? Yes. We're now a crisis center, right? We're we're a major disaster area. Jim, where should I be if I'm pregnant with twins? Mm. I was wondering if you wanted to talk about that. I'm happy to. Yeah, hospital care is an issue. Have you talked to providers who are saying like we're reserving beds and everything for yeah, deliveries? Yeah, I got an email from my um, OB at the hospital and uh, it, it sort of prepared us for the idea that we might have video appointments soon. I'm not really sure how that would work, um, but I'm, I'm ready for it. Yeah, the more you can stay away, the better. But I mean, in terms of when you do need to come in, right? are they guaranteed? I don't know how they can, but they need to be able to guarantee there will be beds for people because... People will be having babies. And having other every other condition, right? I was hoping that's a question you could answer. <laughs> right. Um, that's when I'm kind of looking into how these decisions will be made. But we are going to be rationing care in a way that will be extremely uncomfortable. Oh, God. You know, they're already canceling, all, you know, any elective surgeries and people are being told not to come into the hospital when they're feeling mildly ill. Yeah. Any, anyway, I, this is, I'm talking too much. This is about you. Don't ask me questions. <laughs> you have more answers than we do. Yeah, you right. are an actual human doctor. <laughs> I, the good thing is we're realizing the, the potential of te- telemedicine right now in a way that we should have a long time ago, just in terms of triaging. Yes. Um, and being like, do you actually need to come in to see your doctor or could this be handled another way which will just if we do that long term we'll save a ton of money and stress and time for so many people silver lining um david yes how are you um well uh i'm very stressed out all the time but i also sort of have very little to do which is a (laughs) terrible way to handle stress yeah it is becoming an increasing demand on my sort of just mental health to just check in all day, which I do keep doing. I do feel like it's going to become unsustainable. Like I'm just going to drive myself crazy. Um, but anyway, but there's obviously more, more depressing things to consider. Like as you know, my situation could be worse. Well, so we talked to Lori Gottlieb, the dear therapist columnist. D E A R. Yes. <laughs> Jim keeps making this joke about deer. <laughs> the I don't deer, know why. Are the deer just going to run free in New York State? I mean, it is a question. It is a good question. Anyway, the point you are making, though, Catherine. The point I'm making is that we talked to uh, Lori Gottlieb, a psychotherapist, earlier this week, and she gave me a really helpful framework to think about the weirdness of now, which is that she calls it both and, which is like terrible things are happening and beautiful things are happening all at once. And they can all be true at the same time. And everything in between is also true. Like, David, you're feeling anxiety and boredom. Sophie is worried. And also people are dying. And also TV is good. 
You know, like all of these things are true at the same time. You do have to marshal your attention, you know, and decide what to think about that day. But it's, it doesn't mean that you have to only feel one way. Yeah, that's really interesting. So like when I go outside for a walk, it's terrifying and there might be virus everywhere, but also the daffodils are out and that's nice. Hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You're able to meditate, Sophie, and kind of concentrate on nothingness uh, for a time? I've never really been good at meditating, but I am I am trying. I have a um I listen to Tara Brooks podcast, which I, I recommend for anyone. It's it's really great. It's like guided meditations. You meditate, Sims? I don't. Things like meditation or yoga, which are types of exercise I've never really leaned towards. Now I have these feelings. Meditation of, is not exercise. <laughs> you, you, but you know what? I, it's it's a mental exercise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like you know, I've always been more like I work out, I, I run on a treadmill, things like that. But like now I'm like, well, I better use this time, you know, to improve myself if I'm going to be stuck at home all day. <laughs> I think the other thing is, and part of the reason I wanted to talk to you all is part of escaping this and sort of resetting your brain is actually is actually entertainment movies culture like all of these things still exist and i'm curious how y'all are thinking about that right now bonnie you should ask because i just um wrote a piece yesterday and interviewed for a fantastic academic called dr elizabeth cohen from the university of west virginia and we were talking all about comfort television and the idea of watching something you know to try and escape but but all of them have the potential to have a kind of restorative effect actually right so that tv watching tv can actually have a therapeutic effect it, is what it can saying. they've done studies but the caveat is you just you can't feel guilty about it if you see it as a something bad that you're doing and you don't allow yourself to really relax then well, none of the benefits will actually work what are you you comfort watching um i've been watching Broadchurch, a crime drama on Netflix, which has Olivia Coleman and David Tennant, and in season two, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. So it's Fleabag and Fleabag Stepmom, basically, with crimes <laughs> and uh, lovely scenes. Fleabag with crimes. Yeah, Fleabag with crimes and lovely scenes of uh, English beachside. Um, and everyone's always having fish and chips, which I love, but it also makes me really want fish and chips, which is really unfortunate in this moment. Oh, I would love fish and chips Thank right you, now. Davey. Um, but it, I, I don't know if you guys are interested in this, but there are actually there are kind of four different kinds of shows that people watch for comfort, for escapism. Um, and one, the first one is obviously shows like The Great British Baking Show, where nothing bad happens. Everything's pretty low stakes. I mean, you might have a ruined bake, but um, but basically everything's going to be fine. Like Gilmore Girls, Schitt's Creek, Parks and Rec. Can I say Schitt's Creek in a podcast? Oh, we've said much worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But shows where everything is fine. I mean, and that can be very relaxing to watch because, you know, like it's it's mood enhancing. Um, and then obviously a lot of people are drawn to reruns in this moment. And that's because there's not just, there's just not a lot of co cognitive effort involved. You don't have to really pay attention. You know what's going to happen. Um, it's a sort of restorative activity. So things like Seinfeld, Cheers. There's another really interesting category of shows and that's shows where really dark things happen. So that's like, what I was wondering about. Yeah. I know, like Black Mirror, Twilight Zone, Handmaid's Tale. And there, there are also theories for this too. And, and they've similarly done studies. And it, um, the theories go that some people, when they are feeling anxious or lonely, they, they want to watch shows in which people are equally or even more anxious and lonely as them because it yeah. makes them feel better. You feel yeah. less alone um, because of social comparison theory. If, if you watch shows in, in those frames of mind in which people are having lovely, thriving lives, you know, and going out for brunch and stuff, it can actually make you feel worse. And this, to me, explains a little bit why 
so many people now are watching, you know, Contagion and Outbreak because I was going to ask that because it's it's kind of comforting to see people in similar or worse situations to yourself. Um, and also, I just think, you know, with things like Contagion, it's nice to see sensible government bureaucrats risking their lives and being really efficient and getting things done. <laughs> Uh, it's funny. Yes, I watched Outbreak near the start of uh, the sort of stay-at-home times, uh, and I watched it partly because I knew it had a happy ending, and I knew that it was sort of a classic Hollywood like let's everything gets tied up at the end situation. Uh, I have not watched Contagion. That seems a little too close to the bone right now. I mean, that's about as close to the bone as a Hollywood production could be, right? Right. My approach has been sort of a mix of things like Pride and Prejudice is really the closest I can get to something that is actually going to lower my blood pressure. Can you tell us what you recommend? I wrote an article uh, that went up on Friday that tried to sort of find movies that are available on streaming sites that sort of fit particular moods. Like if you're feeling, you know, trapped in your house or if you want to indulge your paranoia or if you want to just like see Hollywood stars be cute together. Okay, so, so I'm, yeah. I'm, re- I'm looking at your article now. And I'm trying to decide my mood. Here are the moods you've described. If you're feeling trapped at home, um, I'm actually okay on that right Panic now. realm. It's <laughs> a good one. If you're if you're feeling nostalgic for human connection in the city, I'm honestly I'm I'm okay on that right now. If you feel like you're living the same day over and over, I'm okay. If you're fantasizing about going on the road, yes. Mm-hmm. Man, what I would I what I would do for a road trip. The right roads now. are still open. Just, just need a, a destination, somehow. right? <laughs> and a vehicle. <laughs> uh, Lost in America is what you recommend for if you're fantasizing about going on the road. Yes. Well, it's a very funny movie. It's a sort of cautionary tale about uh, people who think they can just get on the road, you know, escape their lives, shed, shed their uh, bourgeois sort of tendencies and make a new life for themselves. It's a, it's a very funny movie. Albert Brooks movie oh from the God. 80s. So you went All in, right. wait, to follow Sophie's paradigm there, you went in the direction of uh, recommending things that people, that would actually indulge that fantasy and you could live it out on the screen versus seeing something that where someone had it it like where the road trip went horribly and makes you. Oh no! In Lost in America, the the road trip goes horribly wrong. Oh, does I mean it? that's part of the fun. Forgive yeah, yeah, me. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know anything. No, it's quite all right. Um, that sort of was the joke for me. I mean, another road trip movie I picked was Midnight Run, which is a little more of a satisfying road trip. Um, it's just to me a matter of finding something that might match an emotion you're having right now. And it's like they have all our data they know how we feel can't they just put something on for us well that is that is that was the old model of television you know where it's like hey here's what we got for you today (laughs) i have a question so i tried watching tv last night for the first time really in a couple weeks and i was like okay i'm gonna sit down i'm gonna do the comfort watch and so i started watching the good place which i'd never seen sorry She drops stuff all the time. (laughs) Um, Well, to back up, you know, when you have a dream, like a really bad dream, and you wake up from it, and you're like, for a moment, you still think you're in the dream. And then it's a relief because the dream, you're like, okay, that wasn't my reality. That was just a dream. Mm -hmm. I had like the opposite effect by watching TV. I was watching it and I was sort of, you know, I was like lulled into, I was just actually kind of totally in the world of the TV show. And then I turned it off 
And I like had this panicked, like, oh my God, right. that's not the world. Yes. The, I, I, I know what you mean. It felt like waking up out of a dream and being like, oh no, but the opposite where it's like, no, it's worse. Yeah. It's worse. This is the bad thing about anything that's sufficiently escapist at the moment is then if you right. get lulled into it enough, then you wake up and have to remember that actually everything's terrible. It's like waking up in the morning. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, not that avoiding sadness is the goal right now, but it was just a weird experience where it was distracting, but not comforting. It just made me sad, I think, because the world on TV is is gone. Wow, that's dark. Catherine, that was incredibly insightful, but certainly depressing. <laughs> I mean, is that right? But I'm asking you to give me a better way to think about this. Well, welcome to Catherine's therapy session. <sighs> no, but I, I know exactly what you mean, Catherine, because yes, I am mostly just using it as a distraction rather than a salve. Catherine, you might be the kind of person who needs to watch shows where everything's awful. Yeah, more Black Mirror, right. more Handmaid's Tale, more yeah, dystopian yeah. nightmare narrative. Right. Would- or maybe some something medieval, something where life really was tough back then. Yeah. There's some amount of comfort in reminding yourself through it, through any means, but one of those means can be all of the art and documentaries we have um, and TV shows that this experience that we were ha- we are having is not novel and humans right. have found ways to live through these things literally a novel coronavirus <laughs> <laughs> but is there i think yeah that's an interesting like is there some value in finding another period in time that has been that was this sort of stressful that was that was basically recorded and you know studied for the for the rest of history and trying to put yourself there put yourself in the civil war put yourself in Band of Brothers. You know, frontier times, but right, put yourself in the Second World War. So, you know, I, it's fun. It's unfortunate that I keep just uh, thinking about war, uh, which is which is frightening in its own sense. But that was for some reason I started thinking about medieval society as well. But there's not a lot of great drama that that revolves around people being at home and feeling cooped up and weird. Like great drama comes from social interaction from like romance and conflict and you know you know personalities clashing and that that that's sort of going to be a funny thing to reckon with as this goes on yeah though there is i mean well i i don't know if this is too abstract given that the world is falling apart i don't know yeah let's let's see where this please well i mean in one sense yes this is a time of stasis and hermitage but I think that's because we're in this weird period where the where we this is the lull before the storm like a lot is about to happen actually or is starting to happen in New York right like there there are going to be tales of I mean there are people are doing heroic things already that's for true. other people you know they're risking their lives to interact with other people so I don't know I mean I was thinking about when David said this, how great movies depend on acts of heroism and, and valor. And, and it is maybe one of the reasons why it's so hard for people to stay home right now is it, it doesn't feel particularly heroic to sit on your couch and watch Netflix and not go outside, even if that's the most heroic thing you can do in this particular moment. Like it, it just feels sort of anticlimactic in that way. I have a thought about a heroic thing you can do, donating blood right now and uh, going out in order to do that. 
that's something everyone could do. You know, I think there's like, a, there's a lot of actually really necessary stuff. Yeah. Some people are trying to make face masks for, for doctors. Yeah. Is that something worthwhile? I couldn't quite figure out if, if make, uh, homemade face masks are helpful or, or not. Um, or if we need to be commandeering like factories. Great question. Right. And yeah, I think we, we essentially are trying that. It's, you know, it's, it's something better than nothing. Like if you have to go into a grocery store, it would actually probably be helpful to put a scarf over your face. It's certainly not protective like a N95 mask, but it's more than nothing. I find the idea of people sewing masks at home both completely lovely, uh, also tragic because it, it has come to that, but it also really reminds me of, you know, the three amigos when the women oh, yes. in the village suddenly have to sew a thousand three amigo costumes and Martin Short standing there going, so old ladies, oh, like the wind. <laughs> <laughs> what a great scene. And they come together. They, they come together. We can sew. That's us with the mask. That's we can something. Save America can sew. by sewing. Well, if only we had known this earlier. I know. I would have paid more attention in home at class. <laughs> anyway, no, contributing to the class, donating blood. Anyway, um, there are things you can do when you're going outside to, to think about things that are actually really necessary and important right now. Everybody's contributing to the effort, really. It's not a small thing to ask of people. Is there anything we can do for y'all? Just stay in touch, honestly. It's, it's nice to hear you. It's lovely to hear your voices. We miss you. Uh, all right. We like to close um, with the song. So, uh, no, no. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you guys. Okay. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Talk Anytime. You soon. I'm around. Okay. Thanks. Bye, Bye guys. Bye. Bye.